I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And let's start with this. When I close my eyes and I think of an endurance athlete, the images that are conjured up are ones of runners navigating through trails in a forest or a bike rider climbing some twisting road on an alpine climb. The underwater roar of water rushing as they swim up and down a black line in a crowded, slightly health-questionable YMCA swimming pool. Sounds romantic, doesn't it? But now, if I close my eyes and I think about the habits of an endurance athlete. One of the first images that bubbles up is a mixture of stretching, mobility exercises and foam rolling. You lot really are a very funny breed. You see, spot any endurance athlete on a plane and the chances are that you're going to bump into them on the flight in the galley right by the toilets performing some kind of close encounter mobility exercises. Get delayed at your transfer, out comes the bag and out popping from that bag is the foam roller. Mobility, manual work, foam roller, compression, ice treatment. Today, we explore musculoskeletal health and reveal how so many well-meaning and highly motivated endurance athletes end up hurting themselves in the pursuit of rehab and performance. And in the name of performance, today, I'm not going to tell you to add something into your routine and habits. This is the very rare case in which I'm going to encourage you to limit or remove some of the habits that you think are helping, but are more than likely making things worse. Today, we dive into the murky and confusing world of muscle and tissue health. But before we do so, I want to do a couple of things. And the first is I want to tell you about something upcoming in Purple Patch. Now, you've noticed that we don't take sponsorship here, so I'm going to create my own. Today's show is brought to you by Matt Dixon, promoting the brand new Purple Patch Squad. Over the last few months, we've been in creation mode. And as we get through the next coming two or three weeks, we are set to launch brand new systems, a brand new website and a brand new coaching program. It's going to be called Purple Patch Squad. And we're really excited about it. Now, I want to give you some context here. When we were designing this program, a year-round training and education program specifically designed for time-starved athletes that are preparing for Olympic, half Ironman or Ironman distance events, we had a few key goals that we had to navigate. The first was radically improve the remote coaching experience. The second is we wanted to empower athletes. We wanted to give them autonomy in their training, but also ensure sure that the program was highly flexible so that it could sync with life and integrate into that time-starved life. But we wanted to do that without deviating from our beliefs. The first belief is that education should be at the backbone of every Purple Patch program. And so, of course, education is deeply integrated into the Purple Patch squad. And second, we wanted to retain the same methodology that has delivered our proven results for the last decade plus. And so the whole program is anchored in that coaching via the Purple Patch pillars of performance. What's that? Well, 
If you're an avid listener to the show, you should know that by now. It's born out of a simple and reliable observation. When we have a smart and appropriate endurance training program with integrated strength, a backbone of great nutritional habits, all supported with proper recovery and sleep, you accelerate every time. But our mission with Purple Patch Squad isn't for you to just accelerate in sport. Yes, of course we want results, but we want you to thrive across all areas in life, health, work, and bringing out the best version of yourself for your family and friends. So the squad, it's a year-round program. It's designed to not only create athlete development over the course of a year or a season or multiple seasons, but it also enables you to prepare specifically to be ready for prime performance in your key events. And of course, it's highly flexible. You can scale down the dose or the load of training up or down relative to the ebbs and flow of life, and it's very easy to manage the schedule within training. The backbone, education, and ultimately, Perhaps most importantly, we wanted to make this remote coaching experience human. And so we've created the program to enable our athletes to be brought to life and our coaching to be brought to life no matter where you are in the world. Twice weekly office hours to have live video chats with our coaches, live Q&A and educational sessions with me every two weeks, peer-to-peer support and communication and guidance from you, your teammates, and a host of camps and race meetups and trainings to link our worldwide community. It's so much more than a training plan. It goes well beyond training for a race. You will, and this is our promise, become a smarter and more empowered athlete with the tools to develop athletically and thrive across life. Now, it's not ready yet. I can't sell it. I'm just giving you the teaser. But if the Purple Patch Squad piques your interest, if you're like, hmm, that sounds like that might be interested. Or you want to just to explore the new website and everything that's coming. We'll keep you informed. No pressure at all. But if interested, simply email us squad at purplepatchfitness.com. That's S-Q-U-A-D squad at purplepatchfitness.com. We promise to keep you in the loop with any information around the release and when we're starting to welcome new clients. Look for it in the coming weeks, because we are getting ready to go to prime time. But now, you say, enough of that. Let's get on with the word of the week. We need to go to Mr. Ukulele. Let's hit it, Barry. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wig. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the dictionary. Yes, we're back to Word of the Week, and this week, the word, or the two words, playtime. You see, this one's for the parents this week, and this came out of myself sitting at a baseball game this last weekend. I was sitting there watching Baxter, my six-year-old, a fun occasion, one of several sports that Baxter is trying out with some of his school friends. Now, I feel like the sports are a chance for him to play and be with his friends, but also to begin to explore the wide range of experiences that sports can and will offer. Teamwork, challenge, overcoming fear, resilience, victory, and perhaps more importantly, adversity and failure. All of the experiences come through with many sports, individual and team. And hopefully a combination of both of those, individual sports and team sports. But this weekend, as I sat there enjoying the very rare San Francisco sun, I was asked a question by one of the parents. 
What do you think about lacrosse? Is that a good sport to get a scholarship in? Now, I'm an endurance coach, and so therefore I've become somehow a de facto expert on scholarships and youth development for all of our school, but that's not the point. The point is that's the wrong question. My answer, you ask? Just that. That is the wrong question. I cannot answer that. No parent, no child should ever, ever begin a sporting journey with the pursuit of a scholarship. You should never discuss scholarships or external reward with your child. You should embrace exploration, playtime, try different sports, embrace a lot of sports, some team, some solo, play, play, embrace the lessons, the challenges, the commitment. Don't embrace a drive towards scholarship or pro because that will nearly always lead to downfall and failure. By leaning into exploration and fun, your child has a chance to grow and evolve and will end up thriving or will end up not liking the sport and stopping. And in that case, they can try something else. They can find a different passion. But guess what? And here's the headline news. If you're a parent, this isn't your journey. It's theirs. And your role, our role as parents is to expose them and support them in what they like and help them stick to it. So keep it fun. This is their journey. And that is why the word of the week this week is playtime. Now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, the meat and potatoes, performance evolution at all levels. We are playing a constant game of stress management. That's what it all comes down to, stress management. Now, for the professional athlete, and you guys know, I coach a lot of professional athletes, our mission Our goal is to minimize life stress as much as we can. We aim to simplify the competing aspects of life that create external stress. And that's because we anchor our focus around those performance aspects. We want to apply maximal training stress that physiologically the body can absorb and then have supporting you stresses or positive stresses that can offset some of the physiological load that we apply, aspects such as great sleep, great nutrition, and everything else that comes to facilitate recovery. And so the more positive physical training load we can apply, the more adaptation we can expect. Now, for the rest of us mortals, it's a little bit different. The mindset has to shift because we're really looking for a mindset of integration. A life of often chaotic stress factors, kids, work, travel, compromised sleep, head clutter from carrying around everything that we have to carry around in our life. And with the space left over, the same puzzle, less space than a pro, but the same puzzle. How do we apply training stress to yield positive adaptations? Now, In both scenarios, pro or amateur, we chase physiological adaptations. What we're looking for is those changes to occur in the central system, 
if we want to call it that. Let's call that your heart and lungs, love. And the peripheral. And that's your muscles, laddie. Your muscles. So you've got your central system, heart and lungs and systemic side of stuff. And you've got your muscles. Well, the question is, what's the gateway of ability to absorb and positively adapt to stress? I think the easy way to think about it is to divide it into two main areas. The first is systemic health. Now, the trendy would call it hormonal health, but quite frankly, that sniffs like a quack doctor ready to sell you some form of system support supplements or something like that. But basically, staying functionally healthy. Now, we could do an entire show on this, but let's just talk about it in terms of the extreme. This is the gateway of adaptations in which too much stress consistently applied can lead to what would commonly be referred to as overreaching or overtraining. Now, at the end of the continuum is complete burnout, the inability to function in endurance sport. And I know all about this because I've lived through it. That was the end of my fledgling pro career. But the other way to think about this is musculoskeletal health. Our theme of today, the integrity of muscles, tendons, ligaments, your frame. And in endurance sport, your frame takes the pounding. So if we fail to keep systemic health thriving, our performance will decline, or at least we'll be less able to find peak performance. If we fail to keep musculoskeletal health, things break, we get injured. So it's a slightly different passage that we're thinking about. Now, this is important context as we go into talk about musculoskeletal health. Let's think about systemic health. In very general terms, systemic health is slightly more nuanced. The words that we might apply to it are chronic, accumulative, often imperceptible, slow-moving. My analogy is a little bit like the tide, swelling up and down, influenced by stress, rest and adaptations, but not highly reactive in nature. Now, tangentially, this is the side of stress management and performance in which you're going to hear me consistently discuss athletes underperforming and arriving to their events and races fit and fatigued. In fact, this was the genesis of the mission behind Purple Patch. I always want the athletes to arrive fit and fresh because when we look at the symptoms of underperformance in the sport and all endurance sports, quite often we see people that arrive chronically tired. That's systemic health. Well, when we think about interventions in systemic health, it tends to be mostly anchored in the less sexy side of performance. Sleep, training plan constructions, easier days and sessions, nutrition. Of course, all of these as well apply to muscular health and adaptations, but you cannot foam roll your way out of a, a suppressed immune system. And that's the key component. Because, on the other hand, our musculoskeletal health is ripe for intervention. And in fact, our musculoskeletal health is also ripe for sales and marketing. An athlete can actively engage in tissue health. They also gain immediate short-term feedback in status, particularly if they're listening. Stiffness, fatigue, soreness, heavy legs. 
And so whole companies and industries are mapped on muscle health, body work, compression, foam roller, cryotherapy, the list goes on. Muscle health, intervention, adaptation, acceleration. When we frame it like this, a couple of things pop out. First, the athlete and professional practitioners take a lot of action in this area and they take action in the pursuit of promoting adaptations or also secondarily avoiding injury and promoting recovery. And secondly, it's a part of the sport that is as ripe as a Georgia peach to be sold things. The next gadget, tool, interventions. Also, we can keep our muscles supple, healthy and performance ready. And so with this in mind, why do athletes mess it up so much? Why is there such a recurrence of injuries and niggles across all levels in our endurance sports? Well, the answer, it's complex. We can't solve the injury occurrence issue in this show, but we can focus on one subsidiary cause that is mostly avoidable. Before we do so, let's frame muscle health. For muscular health, what you need globally at the top level before we drill in is we need, and this is mostly a reminder for most listeners, a smart and appropriate training program, one which progresses really patiently and also integrates into the life, the level of the athlete and the situation that you're applying the training program. And that training program needs to have wonderful supporting habits. All of the aspects that we talk about, those purple patch pillars of performance, nutrition, fueling, hydration, they all play a role. Sleep and recovery, massively critical. Then we have supporting tissue strength and mobility, which of course is individually appropriate and must be applied consistently in synchronization with your endurance training program. And finally, there are a couple of other considerations. A smart execution by you, the athlete, ensuring that you do in fact go easy on the easy days and that you do follow and adhere to taking big enough breaks or down periods from the heavy load so that your body and your muscles can actually rejuvenate. And finally, there is, it has to be acknowledged, a genetic and lifestyle consideration to this. People and athletes that have history, there's also work ramifications of spending long time sitting down or maybe working on a construction site. And ultimately, simply the gifts or curses that we are given at birth. Now, we could go on, but your muscles still, quite rightly, take a pounding. You should give your muscles a good old pounding because that's how you get better. You've got to train hard. There is no shortcut. You need to train hard if you are going to yield improved performance. So your muscles are overloaded. Hopefully not too overloaded, but they are stress. And a part of any training is that you will appropriately get a little sore, a little fatigue, some tight spots and hot spots as we like to call them. But the big question is what should we do, and actually more importantly for the sake of this show, not do with that fatigue and damage prior to adaptations and evolution? So in order to discuss that, let's tell you a story. Let's tell you a classic case study. Now, 
I could pull an array of perfect case studies for today as the topic is just so prevalent for the impact on endurance athletes. But Louise, sorry, sister, Louise, I chose you. So Louise is late 30s, based in New York, busy yet committed runner. She's training for the New York Marathon. Many of you guys have raced that race. It's a wonderful event. It goes through all of the neighborhoods in New York. And this will be her second time of racing it over the course of the last five years. Two other times she had to withdraw through niggles and injuries. So her goal is to arrive to the race healthy. We want to remember that. And we also want to improve her performance from the last time that she ran it. Seems like a fair enough and wonderful goal to me. Her training, well, in my opinion, her training is actually pretty smart. She runs, that's a good thing because she's doing a marathon, but she also integrates some cross-training or multi-sport disciplines to support her running. She does some riding, mostly stationary, and she also integrates rowing, which is a really good discipline if you're looking to improve your running. She's also committed to strength and conditioning. And so on paper, she has a really good balanced approach. Great. All good so far. Well, when we're talking about our case study here, we find Louise six weeks out of the marathon. Training is ramping up and she's just finished a big week of training. And it was culminated with a longer Sunday run through Central Park. Now, at the end of that run, her legs are tired. She's a little bit sore. Being a good athlete, a good purple patch athlete, she fueled well. And post-workout, she did a little bit of foam roller. Happy days. Well, now let's skip forward to Monday. She wakes up and she notices that beyond some global lethargy and soreness, her left hamstring is just a little bit tight. Just that little tug. Or as I would say, it was quietly speaking to her. Now with her history, coupled with her aspirations, she wants that voice to disappear. Be quiet, hamstring, stop speaking to me. So it's time to take action, right? So Louise does what the vast majority of motivated and performance-driven people do. She called the cavalry. It begins with stretching and self-massage, poking and poking, rubbing along, having a dig into that pesky little hamstring that's singing to her. And then the tools came out. Now, for the sake of any case study, we could bring whatever the latest and greatest new super tool is to dig in and solve that tightness. But Louise used the common foam roller and she goes right for it, diverging from her typical 10-minute routine that tends to stem from the foot to the Achilles to the calf to the hamstring to the thigh, from the glutes to the back to the chest and to the shoulder. A lot of body parts in 10 minutes. But in this case, on this day, the Monday after the Sunday run, she went straight to the symptom. Be gone, you petulant hamstring voice. She rubs, she digs, and she beats at that hamstring for 10 to 15 minutes, desperate to loosen the fibers to, and I say, quote, to release the tightness. And that word is important, as that is the goal of most of us have in our mind. Release, release, be gone. She then heads off to work with that nagging, mild worry, hoping that this tightness won't evolve into a genuine niggle. And at work, of course, it plays on her mind. 
She gets out from her desk and she stretches. She has a little dig with her fingers when she's sitting at the desk. She wants to get home and get back on the roller. And when she does get home, she goes through that same roller routine. Release, release, release. She goes to bed with hope. On Tuesday, she wakes. And out of her sleep, the first awareness that she has is the hamstring. The tightness is there. The voice is there just a little bit louder. It's now tender to touch. Now we know the emotion. Most of us have been there before. Poor Louise. Come on, please, don't let this be a thing, she says to herself. And so what's the action that she takes? She rubs it. Another foam roller session. Release. Release. Work is the same. Poking, pressing, stretching. Back home, she really tries to break it up. A big, deep, thorough session of rolling. And then finally, compression tights to go to bed. Anything for support. On Wednesday, she wakes. It is now a thing. It has regressed and Louise knows that it is simply impossible to run. There is no way intervals on that day are going to happen. She has officially injured herself. Now, notice that I didn't say Louise is officially injured. In likelihood, she injured herself. And it is very common, much more common than you might think. A tight muscle from a tough session has progressed to a beaten, bruised and abused muscle that never had time to come up for air. Tightness extended to trauma and we have arrived at an injury. Now, this is the journey that so many of us take. Best intention, delivered through aspirations and goals, have contributed to a tight muscle becoming an active injury site. Coming up a level, what's really happened here for Louise is that she's actually got in the way of success and the body's natural process of healing and growth. Let's intervene and let's allow Louise a second chance. Let's retell the story. Let's recast it with a smarter general approach and we'll see what happens. Well, we know her goals and aspirations. We now know her history. So let's pick the story up again in part two and we'll go back to that Sunday. A big block of work, a great run through Central Park, appropriate fatigue and heavy legs and hopefully with some post-workout fueling, she gets on the foam roller. Now, here's a note when we talk about the foam roller. Remember, we're on Sunday afternoon. Any tool or self-management tool for muscle health is not designed for you to fix any issues. It is simply a maintenance and preventative tool. And I think that's a really important casting for you to think about when you think about all these wonderful tools that are available. Start and live with this mindset. I'm not trying to fix. I'm doing maintenance and using it as a preventative tool every single time. And so in Louise's case, preventative, maintenance, not fixing issues. Louise's foam roller approach is pretty much the same. Feet to Achilles to calf all the way up to shoulders. A protocol that lasts about seven minutes in total. Yes, seven minutes in total. All muscle groups, 
once through the system, three or four times a week at most. No additional stretching, no prodding, just a quick routine, positive habits, and then the magic word, rest up. So she wakes up on Monday. It's tight. The hamstring is tight. It's a flag. It's a signal. It's a conversation starter. But in our last story, she called the cavalry. This time, as we recast the story, rather than calling that cavalry, we do three things. The first is we search for perspective. Is there anything that may have contributed to that soreness? Well, we've got the training program. She's done a lot of running over the last couple of weeks. So we've got fatigue from the sessions or the accumulation of work. Has Louise traveled? What surface was she running on? Is she wearing new shoes? Was she running on a camber of a road that was always the same that put unnecessary stress on one side of the body or the other? Anything just for a consideration to allow that magic word perspective, not to solve the crisis, not to find a victim or someone to blame, but simply to come up a level and put the tight hamstring in this case in perspective. The second thing that she does, and this is important, is leave it the heck alone. Don't touch it. Let it be for a while. Where the symptoms are, don't touch it. And the third is a consideration of any changes to training. Is there anything that she's going to do on that Monday that might promote a worsening of the symptom? And that doesn't mean, no, it doesn't mean that every time you have slightly tight or sore muscle, you back off and go easy. But it's a question to ask. So remember, that second one that I said, leave it alone. It goes against your habit and the trend of your wandering hands to the sore spot. But I promise you, let it be. Don't beat it up. You've done your foam roller. You've got up on Monday. And now she goes to work. She follows through work. She stays active at work. She eats and hydrates really well. And then she comes home on Monday night. It's still a little sore. The voice is there. Well, eat well, go through the foam roller protocol. Remember, seven minutes. And if there's any focus, it would be on the opposing muscle groups. So rather than beating up the hamstring, the back of the leg, you might just have a little additional focus on the quads at the front of the leg and maybe the glutes. But leave the symptom alone. Don't stretch it. Don't stretch it. Enjoy a bath, maybe a hot tub if you're lucky. Go to bed and get some good quality sleep, your most powerful recovery tool. Now, by now, Tuesday, you have allowed close to 48 hours without beating the sight or the symptom of the niggle. You've given it time to breathe. It's come up for air. It has rejuvenation. And guess what? Magic typically happens somewhere between 48 and 72 hours. Still sore right now, Tuesday? Hmm. Okay, it might be time to investigate. And that's where you would lean into a high-quality sports-minded professional. Still work around the issues, but don't go calling a massage therapist that's going to go in with a big thumb thinking that their thumb needs to replicate some medieval torture tool. Instead, 
This is the situation in the arena where professional advice and intervention has to be good. You do actually typically get what you pay for with these folks. But generally, what happens most of the time is magic happens in that window up to 72 hours because the body is a wonderful mechanism that always aims to regress to the mean. And so therefore, there are injuries that do happen. Some are unavoidable. But the vast majority of soft tissue injuries are simply small signals and warnings. Information that, for those that are listening, those that are aware, those that are confident, are telling us that we're absorbing and we need to adapt and we just need a little bit of rest. And so when we think about the key objectives to promote muscle tissue health, they end up being number one. A great plan with great supporting habits. Then listen and observe. So often clouded with our motivation for success, our fears of not being prepared or being distracted by the habits and approaches of other athletes. But no, just listen and observe yourself and be willing to evolve training if really needed. And finally, be really pragmatic that word's important, pragmatic and cautious with the tools and the intervention. I would say that this is the biggest area of performance where more is not better. So remember, and I leave you with this, you are not, in likelihood, a therapist. So there's no need to play one or act like one. Any tools or interventions are preventative and not corrective. So they are great and they are useful And you can have them in your daily habits, but they're not at all for you to go and fix issues. And if and when you get external help, whether it is preventative or corrective, I would say that the best are worth their weight in gold. Quality is all in this area. And so with that, there it is, folks. A coach's lens on muscle tissue health and keeping you on the proverbial playing field. So now. To finish up, let's do some questions of the week. Well, Andrew, we're talking about the focus of muscle health and a little bit of recovery in here. Andrew Witt from Kentucky, thank you very much. This is a great question here. He says, I've heard you say several times to use real foods for immediate post-workout recovery fueling. In other words, the 30-minute window following. And you want a mixture of protein and carbs. Great, sounds cool. However, you say avoid fat, which to me means eliminating things like nut butters, yogurt, milk, etc., And you also say to avoid foods with lots of antioxidants. So fruits and veggies, they're all out for carbs. You're suggesting also really minimal processed foods. So there goes bars and shakes. I'm confused what's left. What food and recommendations do you have? Well, let me come up a level. And I think it's a great question, Andrew. And I I think I might be guilty by sending you down the wrong path here. So it's all in verbiage of extremes. When I say about post-workout fueling, it's not that you have to avoid fat. So if you're having a breakfast, you just want to focus or anchor your choices around the protein and carbohydrate. But adding an avocado to your egg tortilla, it's great. Having a little bit of full-fat yogurt, 
that's absolutely fine. And when we talk about antioxidants, what we just want to avoid is thinking the old classic saying of pumping yourself full of spinach and berries to try and get some antioxidant benefit is not the appropriate timing. So it's not black and white and it's not strict. You're welcome to have plenty of vegetables. You're welcome to have some fruit. Just avoid having those high, high antioxidant doses as the central piece of your recovery. So things like nut butters and yogurt, it's fine. In fact, a great recovery drink is a mocha, a little bit of caffeine, a little bit of milk, a little bit of chocolate in there. That's not a bad little recovery drink on the side. So I think it's just all in the continuum of extremes. And there's a word that you said that I hope I didn't say, avoid fat. Instead, I would say limit fat. Slightly different. I never avoid anything 100%. After all, we have the saying, everything in moderation, including excess. So that's the great question for the week. We've got another couple of questions coming next week. But One more thing before we shoot off, a personal invitation. I want to ask you this. Would you be willing to consider coming on holiday with me this summer? I'm heading to South Carolina with the Purple Patch coaching team and you are welcome to join. Yes, we have our August heat training camp in the wonderful foothills of the Appalachians. It's going to be anchored around education, technique and skills, and of course, a healthy amount of training. All levels, all abilities welcome. I think we do a healthy tap on the old back for myself, a wonderful job of customizing for you in all levels. And we also want to ensure that we challenge you, but ensure that you thrive and are successful. Oh, and as it is kind of a holiday, it would be remiss for me to forget to mention the fine dining, great meals and a touch of great wine and beer, all sorts of socials. And of course, all layered up in the pristine luxury setting of Hotel Domestique. It is special. We'd love to have you there in person. We'd love to coach you in person. So if you're interested, head to purplepatchfitness.com and head to the camps and you'll see South Carolina. But I want to tell you this, and this is authentic. It's not a sales pitch. Act now because it sells out very, very quickly. And with that, guys, that's a wrap. Have a good one. Best of luck. I'm off to Mexico for a few days. Time for a little break. A little recovery. After all, I am the recovery coach. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!